Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is a podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive politics has a lot to offer the modern world. I'm your host, Hannah Shah, and I'm joined by Progress Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd to discuss the issues of the week. Before we do that, though, a reminder that it's the Put It to the People March for a people's vote on Brexit tomorrow. If you haven't already, find out more at laboursay.eu or listen to the end of this podcast. And if you need any more incentives than you have at the moment, I'm doing the music, which means it is, as they say, tunes for days. So first up, we have to talk about May's non-statement from Wednesday night. So she addressed the nation and, to be honest, sounded a bit like a wannabe tinbot dictator to me. She appealed to the people who she apparently now cares about, despite her hand in austerity and the hostile environment. And she really went in on blaming MPs for the current crisis. What do you think, Steph? I mean, I was probably the same as everybody else. We were kind of, there was all of the standard speculation that you get, right, when you see it kind of flies around Twitter very quickly Oh, there's going to be a statement from Theresa May tonight. Everybody's trying to work out, oh my God, could it be a general election? How could this work? We've got we've got local elections in six weeks. Maybe it is a general election. Um, but it was exactly what she's kind of previously done and more of the same in that sense of, um, I'm just going to speak to the people. And what seemed quite interesting about it was it seemed to be moving more towards the idea that she would accept no deal as a scenario because it felt like what she was doing was trying to prime people up as I say, directly to the public, not MPs, Um, the ability that she would, you know, if this happens, yes, it will be bad, but it won't be my fault. It's these people's fault over here. And actually, I think, to be fair, of this very kind of nothing statement, the one thing that did come out of it that actually was, to be fair, frankly, very dangerous was the way that she spoke about our democracy and about our members of parliament. They are there to represent their constituents, but also to be leaders of their constituents in terms of how that works. And this is the biggest challenge and the biggest question facing our country for generations. We have seen already so much abuse and, to be fair, very credible death threats that are put against our members of parliament. We sadly lost one of our members of parliament 
three years ago um, and during the referendum. So her language over the way she spoke about MPs and the kind of vitriol that she was quite happy to kind of whitewash and, and approve towards members of parliament, um, I actually think was a, was a total disgrace. And you could really see the outpouring from MPs last night. Um, and the thing she has to remember is if she wants to get this vote through, they're the people that have to vote for it. So even if you look at it kind of morally, politically and everything else, that statement last night was awful on so many levels. Yeah, and you can see the response. So um, West Streeting, his MP for Ilford North, said it was incendiary and irresponsible. And Lisa Nandy, who um, is one of the sort of MPs who the Troy Whips were thinking of maybe flipping. Yeah, she's far more sympathetic yeah. than lots, yeah. Exactly. It said, well, after this statement, I'm absolutely not going to vote for her deal. She's alienated the very people who she needs to win over. The whole thing, to be frank, was just bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but more than that, obviously, um, we recall this on a Thursday, so we don't quite know what's going to happen yet. But May's gone to the European Council in Brussels mm -hmm. to meet the U27 and try and negotiate for a short extension. Well, so the interesting thing about this is it's not a negotiation. It's a request. And they are two different things. She has no power whatsoever in this situation. It is all about um, whether or not she has the ability to convince them that it's something they want to do but all of the power of whether or not they grant this is in the hands of the EU27. Yeah and we've already seen really um, strong words from people like uh, France's President Emmanuel Macron who has essentially Ooh, said good little French accent there. I know someone did French A level who's essentially said that he's had enough mm. and I think that tends to be the general feeling in the EU27 they've got their own elections coming up they don't really want to be faffing around with us anymore and it seems that in total, actually, her behaviour has just made the one thing that MPs can agree on, which is not having a no-deal exit, significantly more likely. Mm. No, it has. And I think, you know, that is the real worry with, worry with this situation right now. And it's the, you know, currently the legal default is that we are leaving and we are leaving with no deal. And this is where there has to be a level of compromise there has to be a level of political sense that's come up with this and as I say the thing I'm more worried about is the fact she seems to be moving towards a position where she's going to start supporting that and also then where she's going to try and blame that on members of parliament but we also have you know every leader within the commons at the moment has a real uh, weight of responsibility on their shoulders and you know we saw we saw last night on Wednesday when Theresa May was meeting with the leadership, Jeremy Corbyn walking out uh, because Chukaramuna was there. I mean, this is a time of national crisis. And the idea that he will sit down with people from Hamas and Hezbollah and say that that <laughs> is okay and you have to talk to people that you don't always agree with. But Chukaramuna is too far, is, is somewhat of a ludicrous but situation we that we find ourselves in. To remember, don't we, Steph, that Chukaramuna, in Paul Mason's words, is part of the neoliberal cheese and biscuit conspiracy. So... What a high level of political discourse we currently have in this country. Absolutely. Um, I think what's very interesting as well is we look at the behaviour of the DUP and I was listening to an interview with one of their spokespeople in uh, Westminster this morning and I was sort of in a position, I don't know whether you agree with me, where I thought that the DUP might be looking for a way to climb down uh, because they'd realised that they weren't going to get any more concessions after Jeff Jeffrey Cox came back and said, actually, my legal advice is the same. But it seems that the DUP have gone completely the other way. They don't 
seem to care if we leave with no deal. The DUP have absolutely just doubled down on what they have originally said, which is obviously totally unhelpful. Yeah, um, I think they very much have. And, you know, obviously the Theresa May's plan was to try and bring the DUP with her. If she was to unlock the DUP, it's more likely that she'd unlock large numbers of more kind of votes from the ERG, which is the European Research Group. So, you know, we will see where that kind of goes in that sense. But I think it's highly unlikely that they're going to be able to do that. Sorry, I'm laughing pointlessly. It's just when you said unlock, it makes me... think of may as on some kind of absurd brexit quest it could be like she goes like do you i was was deeply concerned as to why you were just laughing at my face whilst we were currently doing this but anyway can we talk about something other than brexit please um just for once i mean we can we can talk about something which is uh you know less cheerful um so i understand steph that well, we've discussed a lot about the current climate. You mentioned the tragic murder of Joe Cox and the abuse that MPs have suffered and obviously the result of um, May's speech uh, on Wednesday evening. And I think it's important for us to continue to remember and continue to highlight the broader divisions that we're seeing and to make sure we don't forget those when we discuss what's happening in politics on the podcast. So I know you attended an event about institutional anti-Semitism this morning and Obviously, as I mentioned on um, last week's podcast or and only this week, um, since uh, the attack in Christchurch, we've had several attacks on Muslims in this country. And last night, four mosques in Birmingham had their windows smashed in. And there was a further mosque that had its windows smashed in this morning, which is obviously has a lot of historical connotations in terms of hatred of a religion and is also just very scary. Now, given everything that's happening, where do we stand and how do we combat this extremism? I mean, it's difficult and there's there's a lot of things. Okay, maybe I do want to go back to talking about Brexit. There are a number of different issues that, that we're kind of seeing at play here. As you say, the event I was at this morning, so obviously we record this on Thursday, um, was on uh, institutional anti-Semitism in the Labour Party mm-hmm. and anti-Semitism from the left. Obviously, what we're seeing currently with the kind of very steep rise in Islamophobia um, in the wake of the Christchurch attacks um, over in New Zealand is uh, far more uh, kind of far right extremism in terms of how that works. Mm. Both are both are vitally important that we tackle if we want to live in a in a world where tolerance and difference is not only kind of accepted but celebrated in terms of how that works and that we do have a you know integrated and, and, and really diverse and wonderful community in that sense let's take those two things kind of separately in that sense in terms of institutional anti-semitism in the labor party this has obviously caused a huge amount of controversy we've spoken about this at some length before but i think one of the things i just want to read a kind of very short thing that uh, kind of prefaces the report in terms of how that works because we hear a lot of people saying on the left of the Labour Party, particularly within the leadership, who have already trashed this report, by the way, mm. in terms of saying it's not good enough, it's not, it's not, it's not acceptable. Um, but this is a report that's been brought together um, by uh, Professor Alan Johnson. Um, he's a very, very renowned professor in terms of the work that he does. He's very much of the left. He is not a not a right wing commentator or, or academic in any sense. He's very much off the left. Um, but the the controversy is around the idea that it is institutional. So. There are still people that proclaim it's a smear and it's all rubbish, but 
you know, more people are now starting to accept there is a problem. Mm -hmm. They do, however, are still all trying to belittle, diminish what that problem is and, and unequivocally deny that there is an institutional problem with this. So I just want to read you something very quickly from the McPherson report. The concept of institutional racism, which we apply, consists of the collective failure of an organisation to provide an appropriate and professional service to people because of their colour, culture or ethnic origin. It can be seen or detected in processes, attitudes and behaviour, which amount to discrimination through unwitting prejudice, ignorance, thoughtlessness, racist stereotyping, which disadvantage minority ethnic people. It persists because of the failure of the organisation openly and adequately to recognise and address its existence and causes by policy, example and leadership. Without recognition and action to eliminate such racism, it can prevail as part of the ethos or culture of the organisation and it is a corrosive disease. Now, when we talk about institutional anti-Semitism, there is nothing within that paragraph that does not ring true within the Labour Party. It is a leadership problem. It is a failure to tackle the issues. It's a failure to be honest about how big those issues are. And even if they have changed the processes, what we have seen is when you have that level of political interference in the process by people of which openly say they don't believe there is a problem with anti-Semitism and that it is all a smear against Jeremy, there is an institutional problem with this. And until the Labour Party starts to understand that, it is going to spiral beyond belief. So it was a very, very important event that was held this morning. It's a very, very important report. We'll put it in the show notes. So if you kind of flick up on the on the app, you'll be able to find those notes and the links to the report. But it's, it's very, very important. Um, but we do also, as you say, have to fight... Um, the, the rise of the far right as well. And, and both of those things are important and we cannot, we cannot pick one racism over the other in terms of what's more important or what we have to fight. We have to stand, you know, against everything, yeah. but unequivocally. And I think what really, what was really highlighted to me is that obviously we saw that after um, what happened in Christchurch, that uh, the Runnymede Trust, which is a fantastic organization that does a lot of research on race issues, um, had come up with a working uh, definition of Islamophobia and they'd had it for quite a while but it hadn't been adopted for various reasons and um, the Labour Party chose within the next within the few days after Christchurch um, to adopt wholeheartedly the definition of Islamophobia um, and obviously in one sense that's fantastic shouldn't we should recognize Islamophobia wherever it happens as a Muslim that makes me feel happy and safe but also the fact that the Labour Party are continuing to deny the existence of institutional anti-Semitism and the battle that we had over the adoption of IHRA, um, it makes me feel as a minority that it's not sincere. And I don't think the intention is that, but I feel that if one group and not another is provided with that protection, then it devalues any protections that exist. Um, and it's just some, it's just something to think about in terms of when we think about race issues and we think about, um, I'm calling them liberation issues more generally, if we don't treat all groups and all minorities and protect them in the same way, then it devalues any protections that you do offer because it privileges one over another. And I know that we've seen, I know that Steph, you've been talking this week about stuff that's been happening with sex and relationships education. Um, and I think that this is another example of sort of how minority rights are being rolled back. 
Yeah, I think it shows just how wafer thin some of the rights that we now really take for granted are. Um, for those of you that haven't seen, there's been a kind of huge kind of eruption. It's kind of focused particularly around a, f- a few schools in Birmingham, but this is not a Birmingham issue. This is a nationwide issue in terms of that. And it's about the introduction of sex and relationship education. Um, and it's about making sure that's fully inclusive. So it's about making sure, um, and not just LGBT issues, but that appears to be the uh, mm-hmm. they're kind of real controversy uh, in terms of that but it's about making sure that we protect and inform children not only of their own identity but also of what are healthy relationships that they should be you know they should be involved in and being able to spot the signs that aren't healthy and really being able to make sure in a world that has changed so rapidly um that children are really prepared and, and understand that um as i say there's there's been some real controversy um about the issue of lgbt inclusion from that we had a um a comment from andrea ledsom who's the leader of the house and uh, obviously on the conservative uh, front benches uh, who yesterday on lbc said it should be up to parents when their children are exposed to those lifestyles um and that's this this is what gets to the crux of it and this is why when people say to me and i get it quite a lot how can you proclaim that the tories aren't good on lgbt rights they introduced equal marriage look how far we've come we did some bad things as a party before but look how far we've come no we haven't come far and yes the labor uh, the conservative uh, front bench at the time introduced equal marriage, but Conservative MPs on large didn't vote for it. The majority of Conservative MPs yeah. voted against it. It was Labour votes that got that through. And this is where you really start to see the kind of mask of some of these things slip away. People yeah. pandering to the populism, to the right of their parties, to that kind of Conservative, using kind of religion as an excuse to use their homophobic views, as if LGBT people, LGBT people aren't religious. Um So we've seen a lot of that this week. We've saw some really, really fantastic speeches, to be fair, from the Labour benches, um, particularly people like West Streeting. Mm -hmm. Um, Stella Creasy's been doing a fantastic amount of work on this. Um, Obviously, Angela Regal and lots of the kind of patrons of LGBT Labour. Um, And to be fair, Angela Rayner finally stood up and said um, that this was unacceptable after kind of being a bit quiet for Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks as this is starting to rumble on. Um, But it was good to finally see some leadership come out of the front bench on this issue um as well so yeah i think there is a there is a whole load kind of bubbling away under the surface at the moment in the house of commons and the problem is is brexit is sucking up so much of this space and energy that it's really creating a vacuum um that really kind of bad faith actors particularly on the kind of hard right are trying to occupy as much as they can and i think it's you know it's why we as a country have to come together over over Brexit, but more importantly, and the the solution to this is coming together over what kind of country we want to be. Absolutely. Um, and that I think is the is the big takeaway from that. Yeah, and I think just one thing what you said about equal marriage, I thought that was really interesting. Um, when I was thinking about what I said earlier, is that obviously the Tories can say that they pass some legislation, but actually, unless you achieve when we talk about how we change society and how we make sure we have a fair and more equal society for everyone um that unless you change the underlying structure of something and unless you accept that the structure of something is fundamentally wrong um then you can't then anything you do isn't necessarily going to work um and it won't be sustainable as we see um thanks for that and if you do want to 
help and sort of tackle these issues. Uh, you can support organizations like Cope Not Hate uh, and you can draw in LGBT labor and both the links will be in the show notes. Um, and that is not the only way you can take action this week. A big reminder again that it is the Put It To The People March on Saturday. We're meeting at 11.30 at the corner of Park Lane and South Street in London and we'll be bringing lots of Labour Say merch, including t-shirts, placards and a banner, not to mention a cracking soundtrack. Find out more at laboursay.eu and remember to bring your friends. See you there and subscribe, rate, review. Have a lovely weekend. been listening to the progressive britain podcast the music was one in the west by blue dot sessions licensed under creative commons and many thanks for our fantastic and long-suffering producer caroline crampton Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.